Good morning. Well, it's only taken me three weeks to get here. It's been precious, hasn't it? Um, I just want to say I'm so grateful to the worship team. They have spiritually put in the work to hear and obey, grow, write music. They're going to be introducing some more of that really soon. And uh, so, guys, ladies, thanks. Appreciate it. All right. I need four reading volunteers. Uh, so raise your hand if you'll read for me out of the Bible. All right, Nathan, yours is Luke 15, 11 through 32. Thank you. Who's next? All right. John 8, 1 through 11. Need two more. Leslie? Luke 7, 36 through 50. Last one. Yo? Luke 23, 33 through 43. Now, if these sound familiar, they are all the homework Micah gave us about a month ago. All right? He asked us to share what we got out of these, so here I am. Um, look, all I know right now <clears throat> is that God is doing something here that is significant and is worthy of our attention and focus just to see what he's doing next and to experience the wonder that Micah talked about. It takes me back to a message that's over 25 years old. It's not about you. A lot of you were around then. Some of you weren't. We spent a long time talking about how that life is about God and others and not about us. And I think we're going to see some of that bearing out in some of these scriptures today. But what, what I saw in all of these were invitations from Jesus to join him in some very wonderful ways. So, Luke 15, 11 through 32, let's start there, Nathan. Now stand up so everybody can hear. Thank you. 32. I hope you know that when, when the Gospels were written, they didn't have subject titles broken out in verses and paragraphs, and it didn't start this story by calling it the prodigal son. We've done that, right? It is a story about a prodigal. It's also a story about an elder son. It's also a story about a father. Why do you think that the father looked up and saw the sun way off coming over the horizon? Because he'd been doing it every day, watching and waiting and eager and just 
heartbroken over what his son could possibly be going through. This is a story about a father who was not understood by his sons. This son is sitting out there, and he has run through all the money. And you know when the money ran out, the friends ran out, right? And so he's broke, poor, destitute, doesn't know what to do next. He's eating what the hog food came in. Can't be very good for you. And he said, I could be a slave at dad's place. That's better than this. And so you know the story. The dad comes rushing out, bring him the robe, bring him the ring, put sandals on his feet, kill the fatted calf, throw a party. He's here. But he did that after the son said, dad, just hire me. Just hire me for food and a roof over my head. And dad said, no, no, here's my heart for you. After the son had blown it all, he just still gives him more. What he's saying as a father is, you don't get my heart. Whatever you do, I've been looking on the horizon every day, waiting, longing for you to come back, praying that you weren't dead in a ditch somewhere. I love you. Don't you get that? The other son, who has been more of my story in my history, said, Dad, what in the world? I mean, yeah, okay, he came back, great. I never left. Dad, what's the deal? He said, son, I know you never left, but you're sitting right here with the father and everything the father's got, and you don't know my heart for you. The story of a father's love. I mean, look, being a dad's about the best thing ever happened to me, outside of just Jesus. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. They aren't perfect. I got a 16-year-old. I got an 11-year-old coming on 16. There's grief. There's heartache. There's prayer. There's frustration. There's messing up and having to apologize. I have found as I've been honest with myself, I, I'm trying to, to learn to when I get frustrated or irritated or blow it to back up and say, what's really going on here? Here's one of the continuing themes I've experienced as a dad. I don't know how to get them to understand everything in my heart. And so... When I say it, and they don't get it, and then they argue against it, or get irritated with me, then I get irritated back, but it's really not them, it's me. 
because there's something in here I want to get out, but I haven't taken the time to work at it. Our father doesn't have that problem. He's got children that are around him and see him or at least have the opportunity to see him and miss what the father's doing. I told Michael when he got back, I mean, I had this thought. At one point, I wanted to be with him until the last two Sundays, and I thought, nope, I want to be right where I am. And I told him, I said, last week was probably one of the most powerful experiences in the Lord corporately that I've experienced in over 20 years. That's just me. Okay? And I don't think it was just one and done. As I talk to other people in the body and in home groups, God's up the stuff. Okay? I don't want us to miss what's in the Father's heart. And I don't know. Nobody's sure. We got bits and pieces, and that's why I couldn't wait to get to home group to, to hear, what'd you experience? What'd you see? What'd you hear? What'd you find out about? And just just heard story after story. I mean, we saw the whirling dervish of, of Leslie Rozier. That was awesome. I mean, I wanted to ask you about that because I kind of been there once, and it just, I remember stepping out and found myself across the room. Don't know how I got there. I just spun across, and I thought of that when I saw you last week, and I couldn't watch you because I would have bawled, and then I bawled anyway. But we need to come with that expectancy Micah just talked about. And there's something there to have an expectancy for. Now, he's been here and done different things. I'm not negating anything else, but I want us to capture what God's saying and doing in this moment and not miss it. And so the invitation from the Father is join me in my presence. I'm here. I'm doing. I'm acting. I'm speaking. Join me. Neither one of the sons joined the father until the prodigal got home. They both just dove in and did their thing. One looked very wrong on the surface. One looked very right. And the father said, you both missed it. The invitation from our father is to join me in my presence. Micah, I may only get through a couple of these. Um, all right, who has John 8, 1 through 11? All right? Yes. Chuck, can you run the mic? Or I'll let Randy do it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All of the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman 
woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. They said, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in an act of adultery. Mm-hmm. Now in the law, in, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. So what do you say? This is they say to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and he wrote on the ground. But when they heard, they went away one by one, beginning with the, the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with a woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one commanded you? I condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, see no more. It's a beautiful story. I shared a little bit a few weeks ago about this. I mean, the Pharisees, it became very obvious to me that they intentionally set out and manipulated this whole thing to be able to drag this woman in front of Jesus. Not to just berate her, but to trip him up. I mean, look, I'm not going to be graphic, but how did they know where she was doing at the time she was doing it? And where was the man? I asked you that. I just can't help but wonder if he was standing there in robes, honestly. One of them. And their intent was to catch Jesus. And here's what they knew. If he agrees with us and says, stone her, then he's just like us, and he'll lose the crowd, he'll fade away, and he won't be effective anymore. If Jesus says, don't stone her, then he's broken the law, and we've trapped him there. And he'll be discredited, and we will have won. Jesus just dawdles his finger in the sand. I love, this is the expectancy. I love when we think the answer is either A or B, and God said it's Y or Z. It's so far outside the realm of expectation that he's going to say and do something far outside of our thought. And that's what he did there. He said, okay, I hear you. So if you're without fault, here, here's the rock. You throw it. And they left. They started falling out because they knew, well, I don't qualify. The invitation here is Jesus saying, join me in my perspective. How do you see people? Well, it's easy to judge, isn't it? 
because we want things to fit our criteria, our box, our way of thinking. Something I shared recently seems to have borne witness with some people that have shared back with me when I said, one of the things that God's doing now is going to be ugly. Here's what that means. Let me, let me explain what I meant by that. God is bringing messy people. And we're going to have to have his perspective of messy people. Now, we're all a mess at different levels, but we've gotten better at our mess over time, and God's done a lot of cool things and a lot of great people. He's got a lot more to do. And, oh, by the way, I don't believe, listen to me, I don't believe he's bringing those people. I think he's already put them across the street from you or across the office from you or across wherever you are. And God's wanting to turn the lights on to how we see those people. Yo, can I share your vision from Wednesday? Thank you. I knew she'd say yes, but still going to ask. Um, basically, Yo had a vision of people pulling in the parking lot and getting out with all their anger or their frustration or their fear or their shame and slamming doors. And Jesus was at the door holding it open and just waving them in. And as they came in, the stuff was just falling off of them. Now, God's doing that to some of us right now, but he's also going to be doing it to a lot of other people. I believe that's a part of what God's doing right now. But it is going to take us joining him in his perspective. Sometimes joining Jesus in his perspective means we have to let go of ours. We're going to have to let go of our religiosity. We're going to have to let go of our safety. We're going to have to let go of some of our politics. Uh Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Listen, all I want to do is have the stuff that's in the way removed that is a barrier to the world seeing and hearing and knowing the love of Jesus through you and through me. And if some of them heard some of the political discussions I've been a part of, and then we turned around and said, would you like to come to church with us? Heck no. It ain't about right or wrong. It ain't about left or right. It's about not having barriers and having God's perspective to be able to express his love. And so he's asking us to join in that. The third thing is Luke seven thirty six through 50. Who's that? And one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood beside him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, 
kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Thank you, Leslie. All right. I'm going to voluntold two of our young people. One will be my son. Nathan, you want to? All right, Nathan, come on. No, not Micah now. I just need one boy. So come on up. Carissa, would you be my other volunteer? All right, who we have here are Simon and the sinner, okay? And so Jesus, okay, y'all stay right there. So Jesus is, he's been brought into this house, this lavish house with a lavish feast for Simon to show off what a big wheel he is. And this woman this is, this is how popular Jesus was. Word got around, he's eating lunch with the Pharisee. It wasn't like it was in the newspaper the day before and they all knew he was going to be there. And so this woman, this woman of a, called a sinner, doesn't say what her sin was. This sinner, thinner, comes in and just starts weeping so deeply that her tears are soaking and washing the dirt off of Jesus' feet. And she's drying it with her hair. And then she takes this expensive perfume and pours it all over his feet. This jerk. (laughs) This guy, thankfully... He had enough decency to just keep it in his head, but you know, that didn't stop Jesus. Jesus heard it. He thought, if he knew what a thinner she was, he wouldn't put up with this. And this is the picture I saw. Jesus comes to her, and he says, Simon, do you see this? You see what I see? Simon, 
All you did was show off. You didn't kiss me. She hadn't stopped kissing my feet. You didn't give me water to wash my feet. And she's washed them with her tears. You didn't anoint my head. And she's anointed my feet. Do you see? You weren't even looking at this guy. All right, thanks. That's all I needed. (laughs) Jesus is asking us to join him not only in his perspective, but then in his portrayal of Jesus. Guys, listen, I know. It's easy to hear God and get excited and enjoy his presence and be just soaked in him. And then in 10 minutes, you're arguing with your wife. And they're wondering, where, where were you just at? Never mind. God wants to speak, but then he wants to do. He wants to do through you and through me. So do you see the progression here? Is that it starts with intimacy with him and knowing his heart. And then it comes with hearing his voice. But then it's time to do the work of being like him. The final invitation comes, well, it's not the final, but it's the last one I'm going to share today. All right, Luke 23, 33 through 43. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, Luke 23. 33 to 43. Okay. When they came to the place called the skull, they... There they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. And the people stood by, looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there was also an inscription above him, this is the king of the Jews, One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. 
I know you've seen the, you've read the story. You you know what the chapter and a half before this was, and what Jesus had experienced at the hands, even of some of his closest friends. Betrayal, and at the hands of the leaders of the church of his day, and then just the crowd. I mean, it was horrible what they did to him physically. And then they passed him around back and forth from Herod to Pilate to Herod. I believe that's the order, or Pilate to Herod to Pilate again. I mean, here's these pagans saying, we don't see anything wrong here, guys. We can give you a prisoner back. We can set one free. Let's set this guy free. And they said, no, give us that murderer, Barabbas. We'll take him. And then they make him drag his cross until he falls under the weight of it and somebody else gets him all the way to Golgotha. They drive nails in his wrists and feet. The struggle to breathe was incredible as the time of the period of crucifixion went on. And all this is going on. What did Jesus say? Forgive him. It's just unbelievable to fathom. What love to have gone through all that, and he says, forgive him. But let me tell you, let me paint a little picture of these two thieves to just give the story a little more depth. The first thief says, save us. Save yourself, but save us. Because it's about me. Now, hopefully after 25 years, the message Micah shared then and has repeated some is, it's not about you. And the second thief says, you knucklehead. Don't, don't, do you know who you're talking to? Now, here's something interesting I've never seen before. This guy, this thief, the one that berates the first one, he knew who Jesus was. He had heard him teach. He knew his reputation and even acknowledged, you are who you say you are. He'd heard it, but did not change his lifestyle. He continued to steal He continued to rob. He continued to take what wasn't his. And here's the point. He had nothing to offer. He had nothing to bring the kingdom. He had heard it. He'd rejected it. He continued in his own life until the last moment of his life. And he says, I know you are who you say you are. Let me be with you in your kingdom. That's what he knew. He knew. That's how we know he knew who Jesus was. Because he said, you're the king. You're going back to your kingdom. I believe that. Can I join you? He had nothing to bring to the table. 
That is love. That is the kind of love that God has deposited in us to give away. It's so easy to have expectations on people, isn't it? Not God's heart. He is asking us to join him in pardon and forgiveness and to let our expectations go and let him bring others into the kingdom like he did that day. Because we all know we don't have anything to bring of value anyway, right? But this guy truly didn't have another thing that he could possibly do to bring the father pleasure. He just believed. And God forgave him and said, let me tell you a secret. You're right. I will be in my kingdom today. Oh, and by the way, the second secret, you're going to be there too. Do you hear the invitation of our Father saying, join me in what I'm saying and doing? Get on board. Don't miss it. Let me pray. God, your love is just mind-blowing. Lord, I love that all through the New Testament, as you walked this earth, those that came to you and followed you, those that you touched and healed and delivered and set free and redeemed and raised from the dead, so many of those were just down and out. They weren't the pretty people. They weren't the wealthy people. Give us, overwhelm us with your love so much that we understand, I have to give this away. Help us to join you every step along the way that, God, you can reach through us into the hearts of the hurting. Bring your hope. Bring your kingdom. Amen. Well, I'm glad I got to share today. And I hope that God will speak to you through this. And so I know we've kind of had a habit of homework. So just go back to these verses and say, God, where have I seen your invitation and joined you? And where have I seen your invitation and missed it? And the missing it is not to be beat up. It's just to recognize you were invited. The invitation's still there. Amen.